Welcome to the Life Lessons Podcast. I'm Jen Stevens. I'm a retired teacher, the author of several books, including the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, and I love nothing more than building community. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've spent my life helping others through my work in healthcare and as a volunteer for various organizations. We are friends who share a love of learning, problem solving, and bringing people together. Each week, join us as we share inspiring stories and bring you new ideas designed to help you live your best life. So now let's learn something new, get inspired and have some fun. everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing pretty well. I am doing great. I am coming to you live from my new podcast studio. Hopefully this is like the last place it's ever going to be. Like I would like to be recording here forever. (laughs) I never want to move again, never. But I just have to tell you the move went so well. Great. I know know you had it all organized the way you thought it was going to work. The movers were spectacular. It was two, two young guys. I really, they were so strong and they had great energy. And they were like, when they saw the flights of stairs, they're like, oh, (laughs) but they, they were fantastic. And they, they followed the color coding. They asked questions when they needed to. And I, you know how efficient I am, um, the fir- at the first stop where they were loading the truck, I didn't have a lot to do. But when we got to the, well, then we had to go get a bed at the at the beach house. But then when we went to the third stop, they were they brought stuff in. I had the entire kitchen unpacked uh, at at the Shelley Bay Courthouse. The entire kitchen was unpacked and put away before they were done bringing stuff in and out. Wow, you're I fast. Know. I am pretty fast. I'm, I, but that's like I love to organize things. It was a lot of fun, but. Only one thing ended up in the wrong place, and that was a trash can that I really wasn't planning on us moving that day, so it had no color code on it. And the guy's like, are you taking this trash can? I'm like, yeah, that needs to go back to the beach house. But he took it to Will's house instead. So other than the trash, and at the end, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, where's the trash can? And I said, Will, do you have my trash can? He said, yes. I'm like, okay. So the trash can is where it should be now. So it was, I can't believe how well it went. It was supposed to rain all day. It was supposed to be thundery. I mean, it was perfect. It didn't do any of that. So how did you find the movers? Well, I, two men in a truck. I mean, I think they're, oh, okay. they're a nationwide company, but they're out of Conway. Right. But I just called two men in a truck. I've been pleased with them in the past. And the two guys they sent were amazing. And they're like, if you ever need moving again, ask for us. You can ask for the team that moved you before. And I said, I absolutely will, but I never want to move again. So <laughs> that's good. It, it really, it's that's such good. a relief. It's such a relief, but it, it feels really good to be here. And we're under contract on the other house already, which I'm, you know, I've told you already, but um, yes. it went under contract before it even hit the multiple listing service. Before it was officially listed, we had an offer. So it That's hit great. as pending. We're one of those people that as soon as you see it on realtor.com, it already says pending. That was us. And as long as it took us to sell our house in Augusta, it felt really nice for this one to be sell immediately. Right. That's, that just goes to show when you're really updated with, you know, the house in Augusta needed some updates, but this one's ready to go. But fingers crossed, it'll close by the, by the, oh, the day that this podcast episode comes out, we're closing two days later. So fingers crossed that all goes through. We will see. Yeah. Well, my husband um, may have a potential job lead. Oh, uh, a really good job. Um, but it is 
south of where I work. <laughs> oh gosh. Probably another 15 minutes. Um, well, Would kind of in move? a different direction. Well, see, that's why I'm kind of like stressed. I'm like, I'm like excited because it would be really good for him. And, um, pay wise, it's really great. Um, but I'm like, I don't feel like, like I only have to commute a couple days a week for him to do that five days a week. Right, would be, that's too much. I mean, I've done that. I used to commute four and five days a week down to Birmingham and it's just too much. It's exhausting. And so then I'm like, well, I think eventually I, we would have to look at moving. Uh, <laughs> There's part you, of me that's just like, that seems so overwhelming. Maybe he should just stay where he is. Well, I know because moving is a lot. It is a lot. I know. And, and, and you know, I'm still on my house. Yeah, you've got it like you want, but I'm still moving a little bit every day. Like I still, I've been able to take it. So like today I moved my shoes, you know, from <laughs> shoes from the, the big house over to the condo here. Because I don't yeah. have room for all my shoes at the beach, the beach cottage. It's too tiny. So literally, if I have to get dressed, I might have to drive down the road and get some clothes and then drive back. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> you know, it's going to work for us. People downsize. We downsized into two small, tiny residences. <laughs> well, Anyhow, it's going to work. You're making it work. Absolutely. And I bet over time, you end up getting rid of more stuff. Well, I got rid of a third of my clothes again. Um the a third of the clothes that I had at the big house. Cause I was like, anything that needs to be ironed, I'm not going to iron it. I, I now know that. And anything no, that you're retired and you live yeah, on the beach. Exactly. And <laughs> things that were like a little fussy to wear, no, or if they pinched a little bit, but they were cute, but they pinched, I don't want to wear that. You know, I'm like, or if my bra right. hung out, I'm like, I don't, I don't like wearing this shirt. So anyway, anything hard to wear gone. Great. Well, uh, let's just move on to our good news segment. Awesome. So Pam, um, I'm fairly convinced this is our Pam, but I'm not for sure. She said, uh, this weekend, I somehow hurt my ankle. I'm mobile, but with discomfort. On my way home from work Saturday, I stopped to get my mail at the mailbox store. I sat in my car for a bit, gearing up to limp in there. I got out of my car only to see my favorite customer service guy standing there with my packages. He had no idea I was challenged. He just did it because he's a terrific member of their staff. I thanked him profusely and I made a mental note to make his Christmas cookie plate even bigger than last year's. Oh, I love that. That was nice. You know, I'm going to give a shout out to two men in a truck from Conway. <laughs> they did such a good job on this move. You know, I have all these glass shelves. They didn't break anything. They took care of it. They did everything. And then they didn't even complain. So anybody around here moving? That's great. These two men in a truck at Conway. And the lady who took my move, she was so good. Like the one who took down all the, like what I was doing. Uh-huh. She didn't say, you are crazy. That's the, the craziest move I've ever heard of. But she just did a good job with the details. Good customer service makes a difference. It does. Absolutely. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about the companies that make it possible for us to bring you the podcast 
And today I want to mention all of the amazing companies that are featured at jenstevens.com slash cleanish. Y'all know how much I like to keep it simple. So when it comes to eating mostly clean, I rely on meals from Green Chef, window openers from Daily Harvest, and clean wines from Dry Farm Wines. And when it comes to living mainly clean, I use Beauty Counter for my makeup, skincare, shampoo, and conditioner, and Branch Basics for my household cleaning needs. So if you haven't yet read Cleanish, now would be a great time. It may seem overwhelming, but it's not. It's just little changes that you can make. Um, it's never too late to make small but positive changes that add up to make a big difference to your overall chemical load. So go to jenstevens.com slash cleanish for links to purchase cleanish, as well as links with special offers to all of my favorite clean companies, such as Green Chef, Daily Harvest, Dry Farm Wines, Beauty Counter, and Branch Basics. And Sherry, I have to brag again about the Beauty Counter charcoal mask. All of the breakouts on my chin are gone. Yes. I mean, I know I mentioned it last time. That's excellent. But I've been struggling with this since I started hormone replacement therapy in August. Like I have had breakouts and I mean, I'm talking like crusty ones, like gross ones, yeah. right? That you like and the skin's all flaking off and, and I'm having to pile on the concealer and, and it's like, it's all gone. That charcoal mask, man, I had no idea. Well, I was a sporadic user, but after you raved about it, I broke mine out because, you know, I still cycle even though I'm on hormone replacement therapy. Right. And uh, I my aura ring tells me basically when it would be my period week. Well, about five days before that, I was noticing I was having breakouts around my chin. Yep. And uh, so I was like, huh. That's coming up. I think I'm going to start using it. So I've used it a couple times this week. Uh, today would be like day 30 of my cycle, according to Aura. And I don't have any new breakouts. So Love it. it might be working. Yeah. Fabulous. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. I need to tell you, first of all, that for this life lesson part, it is just me. Sherry is having technical difficulties with her internet gateway. So I am joined by my friend, Claudia. Claudia, say your last name. Hi, hi, Jen. My last name is Mühlenweg. It's, it's a, you're from Germany. Is that correct? You're German. Yes. I, I, my, my tongue, my Southern American tongue does not make those sounds. <laughs> so forgive me with that. But I'm joined by my friend, Claudia, who is the founder of Holistic Vision. And this week, I'm going to talk to Claudia about vision, what leads to worsening vision, how you can improve your vision at home. I am super excited to learn about that. Um, and before we get into your background and your story, what is the lesson you hope to share with our listeners today, Claudia? Well, my lesson is that Vision, and I'm speaking about eyesight here, the vision that we mean with eyesight can be improved. This is something you probably have never heard about. No. I didn't hear about it uh, until I was a little in my teenage years, actually the first time I heard about it. But yes, it can be improved. And I want you to think about how glasses, contacts, and even some surgeries actually make your vision worse long-term. They don't actually, right? If you wear glasses, like I used to, your vision did not get better from that, what we call treatment for vision problems. Well, I, I actually, you know, I am 53 and so have the, the age-related farsightedness that comes along with age that we just expect is just normal. 
And I find that when I have been wearing my reading glasses for a while, it does feel like my vision is worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, and that's the, we can definitely dive into that topic, but it's basically that your eye muscles, especially for near vision, right? Which is more of a muscular effort for in your eyes than looking in the distance. And when we use those magnifying glasses, those readers, we actually basically atrophy the muscles. We kind of teach them not to ever work by enlarging everything and make it easier to read, but we actually losing that ability for those muscles to work properly. Okay. Well, that is fascinating. And again, like I said, it, I kind of had that feeling just because the, the more time I spent with those readers on the worse it seemed like my eyes were. And when I take them off, I, I can't see anything for a while. So I have to really adjust. So basically our muscle eye muscles get lazy. Yeah. And you know what? The thing about reading glasses that is so dangerous that most people don't think about because I used to, you know, wear those glasses um, and they would be like, you look like the sexy librarian and welcome to the club. You're in the 40s. But what you don't think about, you might have had perfect distance vision, maybe even better than 2020. Maybe you were proud of your eagle eyes, right? You could always see everything super clear. When you start reading glasses and you wear them more consistently, you start with a plus one, plus one and a half, you know, you go work your way up. And then eventually, like you said, you need them for everything. Before you know it, you go to the eye doctor and they said, oh, you will now need bifocals or progressive glasses. Your distance vision isn't good enough for driving anymore. And that to me is really scary. Well, that really, really is because, you know, with intermittent fasting and the way that I've lived my life, I've I've learned that a lot of the things that we think are true about our health, you know, whether it's diabetes or now eyesight, you know, we're, we're so much conditioned to believe that everything just gets progressively worse. That's what we should expect as we get older. You know, after we go through menopause, we're going to gain weight. We're going to get more unhealthy. But there are things we can do so that we don't just get worse and worse and worse. So what got you interested in vision? Well, you know, you might have guessed that I used to have vision problems. And actually, I got my first pair of glasses at the tender age of three years old. I was diagnosed with what's called hyperopia, farsightedness, and I also had a squint, meaning my right eye. In this case, it was just my right eye was turning in toward the nose, and I got those glasses. And I I was born in the 60s, so I, I aged myself here, but I was born in the early 60s, and back then, kids, no kid wore glasses. You know, there was one other kid when I went to school at six years old. There was one other boy in my class. He was the professor. He knew the answers to everything. But I was not that geek. I was not that kid that knew was very academic. I got teased. I got bullied and I was miserable. And I made it my mission, even as a kid, to figure out a way to get out of these glasses. And without going into a long story, I did get out of glasses in my late teens. And I was glasses free until I hit my mid thirties. And I was in a very challenging marriage and it divorced me being a single mom. And then I was in those glasses. And then I hit 40 and I thought like, okay, right. There's nothing you can do. You know, it's just the age. That's just like you you said, everybody makes you believe that. And then I had exactly the same epiphany that you had. So I wore the glasses for driving at that point, um, mostly, mostly for driving. And I took them off one night. I got home from a party. I was already separated. And I remember not seeing anything. It was so scary like taking them off and like everything was blurry, like way, way worse than it was before I put them on. 
And then that night, I, I bought a book in my teenage years that helped me get out of glasses. And I found that book. I still have that book. And then I started doing it again. Eventually, I needed a teacher. I needed a little bit more help than I needed as a teenager. And um, and I got out of glasses again. That was almost 20 years ago. Wow. So. Well, that is amazing. Okay. So you've been 20 years glasses free mm -hmm. and your vision is great. Yes. Well, I know you're not the only person doing this work. You and I are part of the same group of health and wellness professionals, and there are others in there doing work with, with vision as well. So I know it can be done, and it's very, very exciting. So what are some of the things that we're doing day to day, we don't even realize it, other than wearing glasses that are, are affecting our vision negatively? So the first thing I always ask everybody is like, have you noticed that your vision varies? Mm-hmm. And the question will be to you, right? You probably notice that, right? Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. Maybe it's better in the morning and worse in the afternoon or better on vacation or some, some things like that. So once we understand that our vision varies, which it does for everybody, no matter how poor or good your vision is, because our nervous system changes, right? Our blood sugar levels, our blood pressure levels, like all these, our body is a living, breathing organism and our thoughts even changed you know, things. Our thoughts have a magic power to change a lot of things to the better or worse. So that's the first step where I'm like, check in, like notice how, you know, what is affecting me right now? Am I worried? Am I stressed? Am I anxious? Have I not slept well? All these factors. So that's number one. And the second aspect that we can do is use our eyes based on the anatomy of the eyes. And that we can drill a little bit into that. It's always nice to have visuals. I know we don't have visuals, but, you know, the, the retina basically has a certain spot that we know as the fovea or the macula where we have the sharpest vision. If you remember school biology, how the light rays, you know, reflected onto the macula. I always remember like it looks like like it, it, it looks like a little arrow coming in and then it like reverses exactly. and goes out the other side. Like I can visualize it in the lens it, and like it bends it this way exactly. and it bends it that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So and then so basically a mistake that a lot of people do and that including uh, I did that too, especially if you already wear glasses, you have that thinking that everything behind the glasses is equally sharp, and then everything outside the glasses is just blurry. It's peripheral vision, and the eye anatomy is based on that sharpest vision, like you said, that arrow, right? Like so, the light rays get bundled by the cornea and the lens onto the retina, but they got onto one spot. That's the fovea. That's why we have that super sharp, crystal clear vision. And that's the size of a pinhead. And of course, something that's closer to that spot that you're looking at. If I look at your right eye, for instance, right? I still see your left eye pretty well, it, but I see it I see it better than, let's say, the water bottle on the side of my computer or something. But I don't see it as well as the eye that I'm looking at. So in other words, a naturally healthy eye moves a lot. It's okay. not like you're trying to, I'm moving my eyes on purpose, but your attention, you're moving a lot versus people with poor vision tend to stare. They try to see, like, say, the whole computer screen or the whole phone clear at once. When in reality, we can only see one letter perfectly clear. And it's just a lot of eye movement. So that's something that we have to retrain, especially when we wear glasses. We get kind of sucked into that thinking. Everything behind the glass is clear and everything else is blurry when that's not the case. Wow. So you just made me think. Someone showed me a trick. I don't know who it was or where it was, but looking through your eye in a tiny, uh, or through make, making a, with your, a little fist kind of, and looking with your eye through a tiny little pinhole through your fingers, 
like to magnify things and that that makes sense then that's that's what did you call it, the fulvia yeah so basically what that is so yeah th- i love that so this is basically the pinhole effect right when we look at there's actually glasses out there that that are called pinhole glasses that i sometimes help with tell my clients to get so in order to get out of the full strength glasses right we need to get out of those glasses in order to improve and basically what the pinholes do they you know when we have, think about it like open light right there's a lot of stray light and then right. our cornea already refracts refracting is like light refraction in the lens and then the pinholes basically take a lot of that stray light away and this is actually sometimes how eye doctor measure your actual ability to see right let's say you have a cataract and eye disease but they actually check that and when we squint when we kind of do that like crunching our eyes together you know that squinting that's something what we where we try to create that effect oh, which that is actually sense. a good strain but you shouldn't do the squinting but i'm saying the pinholes basically help us without distortion. They actually don't enlarge anything. They just take the stray light away and they sharpen up vision for both near sight or far sight or astigmatism, which is totally amazing. It's like, it felt so crazy when someone told me about it. And yeah, your pinhole is a better word for it. I wasn't explaining it very well, but yeah, make a little pinhole in your fist that you can look through. And it's amazing how sharp you can see something. So I've been showing that to people. I'm like, look, look, look. I like it a lot better than trying to find my reading glasses. So um, so do you work with clients and and help them learn how to how to make their vision better? Is that what you do? Yes. So I'm yeah, I want to make very clear that this first of all, this is all educational purposes. I'm not a doctor. Right. And I do always tell my clients, really go to a doctor, make sure your eye is healthy, especially if you're over 50 or if you have any kind of genetic predisposition to eye diseases. Uh, I always recommend usually an ophthalmologist in order, like, just get your eyes checked. You know, the, the retina is clear, the, the lens is clear, the cornea is fine. Um, and then I help them to either prevent glasses or get out of um, their full glasses, strength glasses. And so a lot of times it's not possible to just throw your glasses away, you know, especially when it comes to driving. You know, we have we have safety guidelines uh, of vision that are really important to, to stick to. Um so, yeah, but that's what I do. I help them, you know, get out of their full strength classes because something that most people don't think about, you probably do because you had readers. So diopters, right, is, which is the measurement of strength of a lens. There is the minus lenses for somebody who is nearsighted. Nearsighted people cannot see the distance, but they can look up close pretty well. A farsighted person like you can see the distance well, but struggles with looking up close. If you're farsighted, you get those plus lenses that magnify everything. We know them as readers. Um, and if you're nearsighted, you get those minus lenses, which make everything look smaller. Mm-hmm. And those diopters, right, either minus or plus, they basically just correct you for one specific distance. So when you're reading, you know, you've probably noticed when you have your reading glasses on and you look up in the distance, that looks totally blurry because those diopters do not work for distance. Um, And so people need to, my recommendation is always like, let's say you're working on the computer like for eight hours a day, then you do not need more diopters for that than what you need for that distance. And especially nearsighted folks, they're adjusted for 20 feet distance for far vision, but now they have that same correction on and sit in front of a computer for eight hours a day when it's only two feet away. So number one is to use, you know, or get your eye doctor to give you glasses for just that computer distance. And then you can, or let's say you wear contacts, and then you can put additional 
glasses on top for driving. It's, this is for nearsightedness in this okay. example, right? Um, and so we work with like breaking down, like, what do you do with your life? Like, what distances do you usually need during the day? And then we also get everybody out of progressives or bifocals, which is, uh, they're not only very expensive, but they lead to postural um, oh. problems because then now, so basically for those of you who don't know, bifocals, you probably know from the old days, they have that hard line in them. Right. They give you one diopter for the lower part and then one for the top part. Progressives have a gradation. But they both assume that we look straight, we look far, and then we look down, we, we look at reading distance. Mm -hmm. But now you, you're hiking or you walk down a flight of stairs, you look down, which is a way bigger difference than reading distance. Or you sit in front of a computer and you look straight ahead, but it's not in the distance. So people, you see them craning their head back to look for the lower part of the glasses. So that's something that I do. We always get out of those glasses and use only single distance glasses. I feel like wearing progressive lenses would make me queasy. I don't do well with motion. Like, I feel like they I'd be do. like, whoa, yeah. Jen, you know what? When I ask people in my classes, like, when you first got those lenses, you know, did you feel like you got dizzy or not? And they're like, oh, yes, everybody says that. And the, the thing is, the brain gets used to good and bad stuff equally well. You know, we can make good lifestyle changes. And the brain gets used to that. But it can also get used to things that are not feeling right. And I always say, trust your instincts. If you get those glasses or if you go back from the eye doctor and you get the new glasses and they're too strong, then trust your instincts because they are too strong. And because you were probably, we haven't talked about that yet, but you were probably not the most relaxed when you were sitting in that chair. And most likely your vision was measured worse than it actually is. Oh, so, so I stress, always say, stress can yeah. make a difference. Ah, yes. <laughs> we know that's true for blood pressure. People are all the time saying, I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was crazy high and you know, the white coat effect. But I didn't even think about that happening with vision. Yes. So here's the thing. When we are stressed, we're in the sympathetic nervous system, right? And you probably teach about that as well. And your pupils dilate, your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you digest all those things, your peripheral vision shuts down. And now you're sitting in that chair. And now in the old days, they would have a Snell and eye chart on the wall in a bright room. And now it's usually a dark room. And then the, the eye chart is reflected because the, the ophthalmologist's office or the optometrist's office is usually not 20 feet, it's 10 feet. So they reflect it with a mirror. So now you're already having dilated pupils because it's dark and you're basically at a, you know, and who is ever relaxed? It's a test. You're like, gotta pass that test, right? right? You might hold your breath. You, you literally in your worst, uh, when I say vision varies in the beginning, right? You're probably at your absolute worst state. And yes, stress is a huge impact on your vision. And this is acute stress doing an eye exam versus chronic stress, which also obviously has a huge effect on your vision. Wow. So I never thought about that either. And so then you go out of there and you've got a prescription based on the, the stress of the exam and it's too strong. So how long does it take for someone to, to see? I mean, I know it's going to be different from person to person, you know, any, any kind of how long <laughs> statement, <laughs> there's going to be like an average and then people who are outliers on either end. But as a rule of thumb, how long does it take someone to see measurable improvement with their vision? See, that's a question that, you know, as like you said, I always say it depends, obviously. Right. Um, you know, I've had, I used to teach lessons in person at my practice. I don't do that anymore. But it literally you can have in the first session, you could have improvements immediately. And I have a three-week program, a 21-day course, 
where some people actually wear progressive glasses and can read fine print without the glasses afterwards. And other people might need a lot longer. They might need a few years. And also what I want to really say, what's important, I always, my message is you can improve at any age with any condition. Does it mean that anybody at any age with any kind of level of vision problem can now have 20-20 vision and perfect eyesight? No, I want to make that clear because if you've been wearing glasses for 60 years, and have already cataracts or something, you know, you can always make improvements, but does it mean that you can, you know, have the eyes of a 20 year old and reverse all the bad stuff you did? No, but we can always start making positive changes and reducing your strength on your glasses will also help you prevent eye diseases, especially things like macular degeneration, um, learning the relaxation techniques that I teach. And we didn't talk about that yet, but obviously the, the antidote stress is relaxation it can help you, you know, reduce your intraocular pressure, your risk for glaucoma and all those things um, will definitely help you. Um, so even weaker glasses will be, it will give you more freedom. You know, maybe you might need still glasses for certain tasks like driving, but let's say you can now cook or hike or, you know, drive your bike or ride your bike, whatever, without glasses. So getting some of that freedom back that is really what a lot of my clients really strive for. And obviously for some of them, that means completely losing their glasses, even if they're in their 50s, 60s. And for some of them, it means weaker glasses or only glasses for certain tasks. Wow, that's really exciting. So I love that relaxation techniques can help. So probably like meditation, I'm working on that. You know, after we were at the, at the event last October in Arizona and we had Joe Dispenza there and he took us through you know, the research on meditation, I've been trying to include a daily meditation practice. Do you meditate? Yes, I do meditate. Um, and I'm, I don't like the word trying um, okay. because You're I right. feel like it's an excuse to just say, oh, I tried, it didn't work. <laughs> I like trying when it comes to tasting a new recipe. I try this flavor or this whatever. But yes, I, I am. And I'm like, I'm not super consistent. I've, I've been going to like, a, like right now it's a five minute a day. Mm -hmm. So to me, if I even do it for five, and this is what I tell my vision clients as well. They ask me how long every day. And I said, listen, you brush your teeth in the morning, the evening, you floss, you probably, you know, if you're a woman, you wake up, wash up makeup. So you probably spend like 10 minutes on your self-care routine, right? Just brushing teeth right. and all those kind of things. So if you do that for your eyes, even if you do five minutes and then you don't wear your glasses when you don't need to, you're already doing a whole lot more, you know? So it's not about hours and hours. I, my method, message is always the relax exercises I teach you, and that's way more than meditation are really designed to teach you new habits that you then use all day long, right? You use your eyes well all day long, but initially you have to relearn yeah. to see easily and effortlessly because the glasses or your bad habits have probably taught you things that are not helpful in order to see well, if that makes sense. Well, it does make sense. And yeah, it's made, I'm thinking a lot now. So I feel like should I like put all my reading glasses away so I can't like grab them and and just reach for them? I mean, what you could do first of all, you could try pinholes. I there's a brand that I recommend because the a vision teacher colleague he has done a lot of research on them, and so you can try pinhole glasses. Um, my message would always be: I mean, obviously, we my goal is to read in dim light and read small print, but right. we always start. I always recommend. You know, if anything, increase the brightness, the lamp or whatever, 
before you put reading glasses on, maybe take a few deep breaths, give yourself some space. And if you really can't do it, then put the weakest glasses on. So if a you know, I, this is something I want to share with you. So some I had people in my courses that were in their seventies and they had progressive glasses. And I always teach them. First of all, I teach everybody how to read prescriptions, what those numbers mean. Um, and then they had an equivalent of a plus two and a half reader for the distance vision and a plus five seventy five for the reading vision, wow. right? In those in those progressive glasses. And so I said, if you're farsighted, you are lucky because you can go to the dollar store or the pound store, the euro store, no matter where you are in the world, right? Or to the drugstore, you can grab a pair of over-the-counter reading glasses. And the strongest ones are usually plus 325s. They're usually the strongest ones that you can find. And pretty much everybody, for a few exceptions, is able to, already people that were like plus five something, are like, you know what? The 325s work great. I actually don't need I can see everything fine. I can read like maybe the microscopic print I can't see, but I can see everything, you know, six point size or bigger. I can read with those. So they already dropped two, <laughs> two diopters wow. just for their reading, you know. And so I always say, don't assume this because your prescription is something, you know, maybe increase the brightness, use a good lamp, and then use the absolute weakest glasses that you that you need. Um, for those purposes. Yeah, brightness really does make a difference. I've learned to do that, go over to where it's it's, it's brighter um, and, and you can see a lot better when it's dim. The other night, my husband Chad and I were listening to music somewhere and I wanted to get a little something. I was looking at the menu and I like found myself stretching it farther away. I didn't have my reading glasses with me. And this lady who was sitting at a table near us, she turned around and she said, I thought someone was standing behind me. Would you like to borrow my readers? <laughs> It was very dark in there. So I was like, thank you for the offer. But no, I figured it out. But brightness really does make a difference. You're exactly right. Yeah, and ideally, if you have perfect vision, I mean, to a certain point it does, because at night, if there's no light, um, you know, like if you've ever been in a dark cave, we really can't see anything as humans. So we have the different cells in our retina. We have the um, cone cells, which are the ones that you only have in the macula, those super color vision sharp detailed cells and we have them sprinkled throughout our eyes but at the outer periphery we only have those rod cells rod cells are super 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 light sensitive those, those are our peripheral and night vision cells um, but if it's if there's no light whatsoever if there's no moonlight nothing we really can't see anything but as, if there is a little bit of light moonlight or street lights whatever we can see, but there is a like candlelight, right? Back in the old days, people had no electricity. So they were writing or reading these letters written with the feather, you know, in candlelight. So we can see if you have perfect vision, candlelight is enough light to see small print. But if there is less light than that, at some point, our rod cells only see black and white. If you've ever okay. noticed that light, you see no colors. That's true. And they do yeah. not have that fine, you know, those cells are not able to see those kind of fine Detailed. So there is a limit of light where at some point we actually can't read small print, you know. So I imagine that there are exercises that you take people through, ways yes. to strengthen those muscles. Is that the goal? You're trying to strengthen your eye muscles? Well, <laughs> this is so it's kind of let's think about so we have six outer eye muscles okay. around the eyes, and then we have muscles inside the eyes. And a lot of times those muscles are weak because they are too tense. Okay. So if you've ever had like super tense or like frozen muscles, the range of motion is limited. 
and the strength of those muscles is limited. So a lot of times it's actually, it's why I say relax exercises to release the tension in these muscles. So we work on, we rest our eyes. We do something called palming. Some people call it cupping where you close your eyes and you cover them with your cupped hands. And it's a way to rest your eyes, but also your mind. And this is where meditation comes in. So when you do palming, you do want to rest your mind. You want to relax your mind. And that could be breath, could be a meditation. It could be bringing up a happy memory, but your mind needs to relax as well, because otherwise the IRS is not as efficient. We work with light. We work a lot with sunlight. I get everybody, unless they have a medical condition uh, or in extreme conditions out of sunglasses, because we have built-in sunglasses called pupils. Um, and eyes are light receivers. So if we are super sensitive to light, it's like, oh, we can't hear because our ears cannot tolerate sound. So getting, reducing light sensitivity is super important in vision That's improvement. That's exciting to hear because I haven't worn sunglasses in years. I don't even have any sunglasses anymore, but I used to be one of those people that had sunglasses. I, I couldn't go outside without them. I had Same to have here. them, but now I don't wear sunglasses at all. And I just, I don't know. And it was some point after I stopped, I started doing intermittent fasting. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. I'm certainly not claiming that is it, but it somehow happened around the same time. But I don't even own any sunglasses. I don't think I do. They might be stuffed away in an old purse somewhere, but I haven't worn them in years. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. I always do want it to the listeners here. So if you have any, if you take any drugs, like if you go to an eye doctor, they put those atrophine drops in your eyes and your pupils are dilated. If you take any other drugs or if you have a condition where your pupils don't close or you're skiing and it's extreme bright, right. please wear sunglasses. But we're talking about general day-to-day conditions um, where, you know, and if you have macular degeneration also, you do need to be a little bit more careful with sunlight. But generally speaking, assuming you're healthy and you don't live in any extreme conditions, yes, I recommend wearing a cap or a hat if the sun, the angle of the sun bothers you. But this is an important piece. And then the last piece in my, in my, you know, I don't like the word exercise so much, but practices and not, that's not the last, the last physical piece is movement, improving those eye movements, the, the saccadic eye movements, the little small eye movements, the fusion, how the eyes work together as a team tracking all those kind of movements of the eyes. And then a huge piece of all of this, which we haven't talked about, is the brain. 90% of our vision is in the brain. And so we're working with the brain, with memory, with imagination, which some people call visualization or envisioning. So those things are really important. And it's so it's not just physical stuff. It's not just rolling your eyes one way or the other. That's okay. what most people think. Vision That's what I was thinking. Like we're just no. working it out. Like, you know, I'm imagining like, you know, we do aerobics for our body. We're doing like eye aerobics or something. No, and it's not like, you know, I mean, in vision therapy, they have some things that are called pencil push-ups and yeah. You know, and so, yes, some of the things might be more exercise like that we do, but most of it is always, you know, tuning in with your vision and being aware. And we do a lot of things with eyes closed and using our memory and our, our imagination. And so that's really a big piece of this. The mechanical eye exercises, yes, they help you, you know, the eye circles help you to release some of the muscle tension you might notice when you look up, let's say the eyes hurt on top. So that those things can be helpful for sure. But it's really about using your eyes and your brain. Okay. Because even the brain, the eyes, you know, the image on the retina is upside down, right? Right. 
we, the, the brain is, and that's why we, you know, remember that thing with the dress? Remember where we had that whole discussion that yes. dress was black? It was striped black and blue, which I saw. And then some people were like, no, it's white and gold. Remember right. that whole yes. thing? Yes. So, so because our brain always compares colors, contrast. So the, the reason some people thought this image was had a different color because we didn't know, was it in the shade? Was it in the sun? So, you know, we, the perception that this is where we actually see is our perception in the brain. And here's one thing I want to share with you that blew my mind. So they did studies years ago with people that have what's now called dissociative identity disorder. It was used to be, uh, used to be called multiple personality disorder. And those people have different personas, different alters, same physical body, but they, they might even be a man in one persona and a woman in another. So they did studies with these people and they found out that their vision, they might be really nearsighted in one persona and might have perfect eagle vision in another. Wow. The intraocular pressure was different. The eye color, uh, the color vision was different. So, and we're talking about the same physical body. Yeah. But so there that, we know it's not just mechanical. That that exactly. blows my mind, like you said. So exactly. like I had always assumed, always thought that eyesight was just a mechanical thing. It had to do with like those diagrams we learned in eighth grade science of like right. here's where it focuses. Oh, you're nearsighted, your focus is this. And I just thought it was completely mechanical. But the and fact that different personalities would see differently is amazing. So it's coming out of the brain. It is. And, you know, the eyeball is very soft and squishy. We have six outer, strong outer eye muscles. And optometry still only looks at the cornea and the lens. And they don't. And, and the only time they look at outer eye muscles is when people have strabismus or the squint or the eye goes in or out. And then they do those surgeries where they just cut the muscles and they lengthen. But here's the thing. If you don't do vision therapy, which is done by behavioral optometrists, like our colleague in the, in the business, in our group, or if they work with a vision educator like me, um, the brain will always, the, the brain will always turn the eye back in or out. Like it's like you have to address the function of the eyes in the brain. You can, like just cutting the muscles is cosmetically maybe aligning the eyes, but it doesn't mean that the eyes are working together and that the brain perceives the image from the eyes is a, they might have double vision. So this is why I'm saying like, we have to address the brain in order to work with our vision. We can't just do pure mechanical things. They're useless. Wow. I mean, I, my mind is really blown, like you said. So that is absolutely fascinating. I want to switch gears for just a minute. We talked a little bit before we started recording today about intermittent fasting and the eye. And, um, you know, you're an eye expert. I know about intermittent fasting, but share share with our audience a little bit. Not not everyone in our audience um, follows an intermittent fasting lifestyle, but a lot of people do because they've followed me here from from my intermittent fasting work. So, what were you telling me about intermittent fasting in the eye? Yeah, the, so there's some interesting research that was done in South Korea, and I first heard about it on the lifespan lifespan podcast with Dr. David Sinclair, who's yeah. the longevity expert at, at um, I think, Harvard Medical School. And um, so he shared, and I was like, I was on my walk. I was like, what? Wait a moment. So he talked about intermittent fasting of 16 hours or more and um, potential reversal, but definitely reduced risk for so-called age-related macular degeneration. And the macula, remember, is the piece of the vision where we have the sharpest vision. And that's a disease that is no traditional treatment for that. There is no cure. And so apparently... Because when we get macular degeneration, it's like, you know, the, the old cells that 
damaged proteins that end up building up um, in cataracts, it's in the lens, and AMD, it's in the in the retina. And we, with intermittent fasting, the uh, um, autophagy, basically eating that process where we eat those damaged cells. And I don't want to get too much into the science, but this is promising research. So intermittent fasting can be a really great way, in addition to eating a good diet and eating those dark leafy greens, getting those nutrients that your macular needs, that your eye needs, right? That's another big piece. But intermittent fasting can be amazing. And because anything that affects your health, right? Diabetes. Diabetes leads to, uh, I think, 40, I always mix up the glaucoma and cataract, but there's a 40% higher chance of cataracts or glaucoma and a 60% chance of, you know, I don't know which one is which, but basically, so diabetes always, always affect your eyes. And in fact, many times we find these diseases in the eyes before an, an eye doctor might diagnose you with diabetes when your blood test look completely normal. Your fasting blood sugar is normal. So the eyes are so sensitive and any damage that we do and that, that, you know, cataracts, lead exposure, toxic exposure, smoking, heart disease, diabetes, all these things. It's like, it's not age related. It's just decades of poor choices. And I used to smoke cigarettes. You know, I'm not saying that I was always the angel here, but definitely not. Um, but eventually there's a consequence, right? And so that's really what happens. Wow, that that really is fascinating, and it makes total sense that fasting would help with those conditions. When you mentioned that they um, are related to buildup of proteins, because right. you know, I really, you know, from the research that I've done on autophagy in general, so many of the things that come along with age have to do with decreased autophagy that happens as we get older. You know, the lifestyle that we live now where we're eating all the time, we're never giving our bodies a break. I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about people who do intermittent fasting, but just in general of society, you know, autophagy becomes downregulated and our bodies don't have time to clean up and that we see it in our brains with neurological issues. We see it in our eyes like you just talked about. But when we give our body the break from eating and digesting all the time and autophagy is upregulated, it can clean up those junky proteins like it's supposed to do. So I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray for fasting. You know, we often hear from people in the intermittent fasting community that they will um, go to the eye doctor and their vision is better than it's ever been because of, of, you know, intermittent fasting is the only variable that's changed. And so I, I like to think that it's not just helping us with the vision itself, but it's helping us prevent serious problems down mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned the nutrition component. That's also important. You know, yeah. getting the leafy greens, making sure we have so, yeah. water that we really need to include. I know we all were taught carrots. I don't know why. Carrots <laughs> for eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> there is a whole myth about that carrot yeah. or that whole myth about that from ranging from World War II. But here's the thing. Carrots are not a bad food for sure. Right. They are very high in beta carotene. Beta carotene is a precursor to vitamin A. Vitamin A is a precursor to rhodopsin, which is the, the pigment that covers those night vision, the rot cells I talked about. So especially for night vision, we need beta carotene, but it's also in kale and spinach, right? And also obviously orange vegetables, but, and if you, I'm vegan personally, but if you eat, uh, obviously the plants don't have vitamin A, that was only in animal-based foods, but beta carotene, again, is the precursor. So you do want to make sure you get all these rainbow colored vegetables into your diet. Then the, the cone cells, the ones that give us that color vision, the sharp vision, 
they need, if you ever look at eye vitamins, what you see in there is lutein, zeaxanthin, which are yellow plant pigments, and they're usually derived from marigold flowers. They're very high in egg yolks. They are very high in kale, spinach, the dark leafy greens. And we do have to get them from the diet. And these plant pigments can actually absorb blue light. That's why a healthy macula is not afraid of the sun. But if you eat the sad diet, right, if you don't get any of these nutrients into your diet, then yes, your macula will eventually be damaged from all that blue light and too much sunlight, right? We also, we can dive into light later because we also know red light is beneficial, which is for free in the sunlight. But carrot, so basically carrots are not a bad food. I realized for me that really raised my blood sugar really high, especially when they're cooked. Mm -hmm. So I'm now limiting, but I'm like, think of like, not just, there's not just one super single food right. that it's like the magic, like, you know, kale can have high oxalates for some people. That's not a good thing. So I personally don't like those super food lists, but we do need. I'm the same way. Yeah. Lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin is from a microalgae. So, you know, I even take a, in, a, in addition to eating a very good diet, I do take a clean supplement that has those things in there. So I make sure I get enough supplements are supposed to supplement. Um, and then we need, you know, bilberry, goji berries. Um, there's all other vitamins that like we need vitamin D, vitamin C. I mean, the eyes need everything the rest of the body needs. Right. Um, right. So basically you want to eat a good diet with clean filtered water um, and lots of fresh vegetables and fruits. So that's kind of the basis and then healthy fats, obviously. Yep. Omega and, you know, fatty it, it just comes down to of eating a variety of plant foods. And, yes. You know, I, I also laugh, you know, when you said there's no like one super food or, you know, a list of here's the few things you must eat, you know, that makes for a really good you know, news article you can click on, right? But it's not, it's not, we, there are so many thousands of compounds and plants and we don't even know what they all do. So our very best bet is to just get a variety. Exactly. We don't have to know what's in that blueberry or in that kale, but our bodies do. And yes. so the best way to make sure you're getting the nutrients that you need is eat a huge variety of plant foods. Honestly, that's, <laughs> that's what I, I think. So if someone wants to work with you, how do they do that? So I have a free download, which I'm you're probably going to post in the show notes. Yes. It gives me what I call my 10 habits for healthy, happy eyes. I cover sunlight in there. I cover posture in there. I cover the eye rest um, going without glasses. So I cover a lot of good tips and additional tips in there. Um, then I have a 21-day program, which I call 21 Days to Better Eyesight Experience. That is designed as a program to get you started. It, you get a little routine at the end like what I was talking about, brushing the teeth, you know, whatever. I call it clear morning ritual. Obviously, you can do it any time of the day. You can break it up. But that gives you a simple protocol that you can follow, you can customize. And then if you want to do more or if you have a more co a severe condition or if you wear glasses, then my Natural Key Vision program, that's the program where we look at prescriptions. I help people get into weaker glasses and those kind of things. Yeah, that's basic. And then I have a small group coaching program for people that want more private, personalized coaching um, I do everything online pretty much these days. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank goodness for technology. So one of your websites is myholisticvision.com and the other is naturallyclearvision.com. And we'll have links to in show notes to both of those. Were those was that yeah, right? the naturallyclearvision.com is, a, you have to put the www in front okay. and that is where you can download my 10 
slash 10 habits, 10, yeah. the number 10. Yeah. It's not an actual website as a standalone. It's more the page to. Okay. We've got, yeah, that, yeah, we've yeah. got that in the show notes. So people yeah. go to the show notes. You can go to the show notes on the life lessons community website at lifelessonscommunity.com or through any podcast player. The show notes should be just showing up right there um, in the, in the podcast notes. So Claudia, I have just loved talking to you today and learning more. Like my mind is blown and I am going to see what I can do. I'm definitely going to download the 10 habits. Um, yes. And, and also on Instagram, on YouTube, I'm holistic vision coach. I do a lot on those platforms. I have a lot of videos. It's holistic vision coach on both YouTube or Instagram. So that's where you can also find a lot of my free resources as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Claudia. Thank you. Now it's time for our listener led lesson. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Juliana. Juliana says, I was looking for ways to make my annual spring cleaning more efficient and easier. And I'm not going to lie, incorporating some genius creativity and seeing if these ideas actually work makes boring spring cleaning feel more like a fun experiment. I learned a few things that actually work great. I think we all have that shelf in our refrigerator where the jars of pickles and jams and other condiments live. Invariably, they get shuffled to the back of the fridge and if your family is like mine, some members of the household can't find things that are not in plain sight. And before you know it, you're tossing out expired jars of mayo. You have three open jars of deli mustard and countless jars of salsa. I designated the top shelf as my condiment shelf, and I added a large plastic Lazy Susan. Now my family simply has to spin the Lazy Susan to find the condiment of their choice, and it's right at eye level. It's working great. The second hack was to cl easily clean the shower heads from hard water and mineral buildup. Fill a freezer bag with white vinegar before bed and use a rubber band to attach the filled bag to the shower head, letting it soak overnight. Come morning, you'll have a grody bag of vinegar and a spotless like new shower head. Best of all, it's chemical free and a painless way to clean. Yep, I love that. That's a very good cleanish tip right there. I Yeah, I love that one too because I've always tried to use CLR. Yep. But... But, um, like, how do you get it up in the little shower head nozzle? And now we know how. I would never have thought to put a plastic, plastic bag on it. And I'm going to definitely try the vinegar. I need to try that, too, because at the beach, we have really hard water and all of our shower heads start to go crazy and get gunked up. Mm-hmm. So the third hack sounds too good to be true, but works like a charm. Preheat your oven to 250 degrees. Fill an oven-safe bowl with hot water. Chop a lemon into thirds, squeezing the juice into the water. Then add the rest of the lemon to the bowl of water. Place the bowl in the oven. Bake for 30 minutes. Remove the bowl of water. Allow it and the oven to cool. Then use the lemon water to wipe it clean. If you need a little extra scrubbing power, you can make a paste with the hot lemon water and baking soda and scrub it on. Let it sit for an additional 30 minutes and then wipe clean. That's a great tip. You know, I do something similar to that for cleaning the microwave. Do you do that? The hot um, water. I have read that you could do hot water with vinegar in it to clean your microwave. Do you put anything in it? No, I just, just use water? water. I just do water. You just put a bowl okay. of water in your microwave. You're steaming just, it, essentially. Yeah, bowl of water in your microwave. Heat it up, I don't know, a minute. I'm not sure. Something like that until it's a minute and a half. I have no idea. But you want it to, to get, you know, bubbly and steam up. Let it sit, not till it cools, but let it sit for, you know, a couple minutes just so it like has time to really loosen everything up. Then all that baked on stuff, just that caked on microwave gunk just wipes right off. Hmm. It really, really works. That's, right. that's the way I clean my microwave now. 
I guess it's the acid in the lemon that helps with the oven like stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think is, when you're doing a lemon. real oven, you would need citric lemon. acid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the microwave, you don't need lemon. Okay. Well, I don't know. My family <laughs> likes to cake. Okay. Really? I don't use the microwave. So you know, it's, it's like every once in a while, I'll open it up. And then I'm like, what is going on in here? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why I have, I keep paper plates above it because I'm like, look, just whatever you're cooking, cover put a paper, paper plate, plate on top yeah. of it. Yeah. It's so simple, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that has like Eric has never done in his life before. Yeah. So it's not in his muscle memory. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm trying to train the man, but we're going on nine years. So. Oh, well. <laughs> well, at the end of each show, we love to share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Alyssa. The quote is from Willie Nelson. Once you replace negative thoughts with positive ones, you'll start having positive results. She says, I truly believe that our thoughts are everything. If you believe you will fail, then you will. If you believe that you deserve success, you will find success. We all have what ifs. What if I fail? Sometimes success comes from focusing on the success and not the failure. Visualize what the success looks like. So next time you think what if and you see a negative result, flip the script and visualize a positive outcome. When I felt my abusive marriage and my dead end job were as good as it gets, it was. But when I started to believe that I was deserving of better and I could visualize it, the more I visualized a better life, the better my life got. No more abusive marriage, no more dead in job. If you would have asked me 10 years ago if I would be living my dream life in 2023, I would have scoffed. But I am. I am living my dream life now simply because I believed I could. Well, I love that. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for sharing that with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to have you join us in the private Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to become a VIP podcast supporter. Your membership ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Reviews really do help us reach new listeners. We're a community-driven podcast, and here's how you can be a part of our show each week. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com or use the link in show notes and then listen each week to hear your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.